but she has to live with me. She sees me in my darkest times. She sees me in my grumpy. She sees me in my hangry. She sees me in my tired. She sees me. She knows that even in those times, what kind of character I have and what kind of person I am, what kind of fruits I still bear, even in my most exhausted moments. So how do we know, how do we truly, truly know somebody? Jesus is specifically talking about, you know, these prophets, these people that were going around and, and, and speaking on God's behalf and things like that. And, and Jesus says, simply, you will know them by their fruits, not just the words that come out of their mouth, but you will know them by their character. You will know them by who they are when, when they're not in front of everybody, when, who they are behind the scenes or who, are they, who they are when they're by themselves. So let's now go back into Galatians Chapter 5, 16 through 26. And, and let me uh, kind of recap, if you weren't here last week. Paul is uh, addressing uh, a church just like ours. He's address, addressing the church of, uh, in Galatia. And he's specifically addressing that they were, they were getting some of uh, Jesus' you know, kind of rules and laws kind of you know, uh, mixed up and confused. And Paul's addressing them. First, they were saying that, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Christian now, I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm saved. I, you know, my sin has been forgiven, so I can just do whatever it is that I want. And Paul's like, no, no. Not that there's, he says, Paul basically says, not that there's freedom to go do whatever it is that you want now, whatever you feel is right. He says there's a freedom from sin now. You're not shackled anymore by sin because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Because he conquered death for us. He says we're no longer bound by sin. Not that you are free to go and sin and and live your life however you you choose or however you feel. And then the other thing Paul was addressing was the, the, the Jews at the time who had become Christians... We're telling the new Christians that you need to abide by all the laws of Moses. You need to abide by all the strict rules and all that. You need to go do this and you need to go do that. And Paul was saying, wait, 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 hold on. No, you guys are now missing the point. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Now we are no longer under that law. So it's not about works. It's not about how good of a person you are. It's not about because you, 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 know, you checked off all the boxes and you did everything right today. You're not saved by that. Paul is saying, once again, you're saved by grace. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are or how bad of a person you are. You're saved. You're forgiven. So Paul's addressing these two points. And then Paul goes in to say this. And here's where we're going to pick back up in Galatians Chapter 5, starting in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. How many of you have seen those cartoons, right? 
there's Mickey Mouse, and he's, you know, he's deciding whether he's going to, you know, do this or do that. And all of a sudden, these little angels, one little demon pops up on one side, a little angel pops up on the other side. And now he's in this conflict of what he's going to do. Paul is basically addressing that, and he said that is a conflict inside every single one of us. And even though we make light of it sometimes, even though we draw little cartoon characters on our shoulders, is that not our daily struggle? Am I going to live by my flesh today, or am I going to live by the Spirit? Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me today, or am I going to live how I want to live? And you know what? I'm hearing a lot of, in our culture, I'm hearing a lot of I. I'm hearing a lot of I want. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, I want to live how I want to live. I want people to know who I truly am. I'm hearing all of this, this certain talk. And you know what? It, it sounds good kind of on the exterior. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, I want you to live and be strong. And I want people to know who you are. But they're missing something. Because Paul's addressing that. He's saying, wait, 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 wait. Let, let, let's pause here for a moment. Are you living through your own flesh or are you living by the spirit because there's a big difference in fact they're contradictory you can't live by both you can only choose one or the other so verse 19 when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear and he lists them sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures idolatry Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins. Paul, Paul finally says, listen, I can't even list them all. I'm just going to say, and others, right? And by the way, all of us have already been disqualified. We're like, man, I'm, I'm done. Paul's just, you know, talked about my personal life here. Verse 22. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, <clears throat> verse uh, 21. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things those who belong to christ jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another This is where our culture is at. Our culture so much wants to live in, in the here and now, in the what makes me feel good. The problem with living in this idea of what makes me feel good is the makes, what makes me feel good won't last. But if I'm living in the Spirit, and if I'm being guided by the, the Spirit, then the fruits of that will be all of these things that Paul lists and, and the things that we've, we've discussed. And Jesus promised this to every single one of you. Jesus promised this. He said, listen, I, I go. 
And I am going to sit at the right hand of the Father, but I will not leave you orphaned. I, I will not leave you alone. I am going to send the Helper. I am going to send my Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of you. And every single one of you, every single one of you who calls on the name of the Lord, who calls on the name and believes in Christ Jesus and that he died and he conquered death and he rose again on the third day, you have that same spirit living inside of you. So if you're in one of those moments and you have one of those angel demon, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Just know that you have that spirit inside of you. In fact, that, the, the, that even that there's a war going on means that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. The fact that you're even having the debate in your mind means that the Holy Spirit's there. The question is, which one will we choose? So last week, just as a really quick recap, last week we talked about love. And I'm just going to quickly recap what I talked about if, if you weren't here last week. And first of all, love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. We need to... We need to stop this idea that love is this bubbling over, you know, feeling that we get when two, you know, lovers look, gaze into each, each other's eyes. That, is, that's, that almost demeans what love really is because Christ showed us what love truly was. And love is action. Love is choice. And like the old, you know, Christian song, love is a verb. So here, here, here were my five points from last week. First of all, love comes from God. Love comes from God. If you truly want to be loved, then be connected with where love comes from. If you truly want that love that you, all of us, all of us desire it, stop seeking for it in the world because you will not find it. You will not find it. God is love. Not only does love come from him, but he is love. So why would we not want to bring God into every single situation of our lives? Real love is sacrificial. The Bible says this, he first loved us. God loved you even in your sin. God loved you even when you were filthy and dirty and unlovable. He loved you. That is true love. And truly, if you are going to tell somebody you love them, that's what you're saying. I love you no matter if it comes back to me. That's real love. Real love is sacrificial. I'm giving it to you freely. There's no strings. There's no, you know, stipulations. There's no, you know, if you do this for me. My fourth point was, when we love, we let people see God. When we truly let God's love shine in us, then people will see, see God. See, people are having a hard time because, like, we can't see him. I can't physically see God. Well, he, he's supposed to be evident in our lives so that when we're going out and we're, we're being, you know, Christ-like and we're loving people as, as God wants us to love people, then they'll say, aha, there he is. There's God. He's real. And lastly, love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. Fear is crippling people. Fear is literally crippling people. 
But when you believe and you trust in God and you know the God of the universe loves you, boy, it drives out that fear. You're like, huh, I don't quite have that same fear, you know, that I did. So let's get into our next two fruits of the Spirit. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. I believe that these are two things that this world is quickly losing. We're quickly losing our joy and our peace. The enemy is doing everything that he can to rob you of these two fruits of the Spirit. The enemy's purpose in life is to steal and to try to take these things from you, your joy and your peace. So what is joy? Well, like love, it's not an emotion. It's not happiness. You know, happy is, you know, I woke up this morning and I had a really good cup of coffee. You know, my wife made me breakfast. You know, that's happy, right? I'm happy. I'm having a good day, right? That's happy. That's not joy, okay? That's not joy. Where does our joy come from? You know what it comes from? It comes from our salvation. And I'm going to read this scripture to you. Psalms 51, 11, and 12. David said this in his lament to the Lord. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. You see, David was broken. David had sinned against the Lord. And he fell on his face. And one of the things he says is, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because you're not going to find happiness in your current circumstance. If we could go around this room and I could say, hey, how happy are you? And if you were truly honest, nobody's saying, I am over the moon happy today. Right? We've all got stuff going on. We've all got junk You know, we've all got situations. We all have life just dictating to us. But where does joy come from? Joy comes from knowing that my future is secure. Knowing that I have a hope and a future and it is in my salvation. It is in the fact that Jesus came and saved me from my sin. Saved me from from eternal death. Saved me from eternal separation from him. When I sit and I stop and I think about that, that is when joy starts to well up inside of me. You know, when I'm thinking, man, am I going to make my payments this month? You know, when I think that, boy, I'm feeling, you know, really alone. (laughs) Boy, you know, my job is just strangling me. I feel like, I I mean, I want to give up. You know, when all those worries and cares of the world start to press down, when I stop and I think about where my salvation lies, it seems so much greater than those things. So what does joy do for us? What's the point of having joy? Well, the Bible says it gives us strength. The Bible says joy gives us strength. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8, says this, Then he said to them, he said, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and and send portions uh, to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. He says, do not sorrow, for the joy 
of the Lord is your strength. See, when we have this joy, when we have this knowing where our salvation lies, then there seems to be a strength that comes along with it that seems to help us get through the darkest of times. I've shared uh, many of you uh, our story, my wife and I, and you know, we've, we've gone through loss, we've gone through child loss. And I had read the Psalm of David when he you know, talks about, you know, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. I had read that hundreds and hundreds of times before. It wasn't until I was actually in that valley of the shadow of death that I understood what David was talking about. That understanding that there was this thing called death that seemed to be all around me. And in my darkest hour, in, in the time that I, I would, I, to be honest with you, battled and fought depression, in my life, that scripture rang so true that the Lord was with me. He was with me in that darkest time. He was with me at my lowest point. He was with me when I couldn't see out of that valley, when I thought that it would be never ending, when I thought that there would be no hill or mountaintop again. There was something that got me through it, and it was joy. It wasn't happiness, because I wasn't happy. If anything, I was depressed. If anything, I felt, you know, crushed. I felt broken. I felt at my weakest but that there was something that kind of, this light that kind of shone through, and it was the joy of the Lord that was my strength. It got me through it. Does it still break my heart, and am I still sad sometimes when I think about something that I could have had? Of course. But it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. It is the joy of the Lord that I'm able to stand in front of you today and tell you about my God and how great he is despite something like that that happened in my life, in my wife's life. What does joy bring? A future. Joy brings a future. I, I loved this scripture because it actually painted a picture. See, I, I'm, a, I'm a picture guy. I, I, have to, I like things that are, that are kind of uh, displayed out in front of me so I can see it in kind of this picture form or movie or you know, play or whatever what it be. And, and in John 16, 21... It says this, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. How many of you moms out there have experienced that? How many of you moms experience such pain and such anguish, but then the moment that that life came into this world, it all went away. Isn't that, that's a miracle. That is a miracle that somebody could go through such pain in one moment and then just a moment later can experience such joy because they're holding life in front of them. You see, there's something spiritual about that. God is telling us, Jesus is saying to us that, listen, you could be feeling excruciating pain right now. But through the joy of the Lord and Christ in you, you can have one of those experiences where you could see the miracle in it all. 
you can see the miracle in it all, despite the pain that you've gone through. So joy, that's what joy is. Joy is, joy is essentially being able to walk through the darkest, toughest, most broken time of your life and being able to see on the other side of it. So peace, peace. How to obtain peace. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, in Philippians 4, 6, it says this, be anxious for nothing. Okay, right there, he's got me. Be anxious for nothing. I am done. I am disqualified, Paul. You have disqualified me because I don't know about you, but I am anxious about everything. Okay, in fact, if I were to write to you guys, I would say, this is Matthew, and I'm writing to you, and I am anxious about everything. But Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So first of all, he's telling us, don't be anxious. And right now, many of you are going, don't be anxious. I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to be anxious about something. And it's true. It's true. But Paul's saying, don't be. Don't be. Let's go back to the idea of fear. What is it that is constantly driving us? What, what, what is, when you think about anxiety, where is anxiety coming from? It, it stems from, and the, at the core of it, is fear. God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're going to take care of me. I don't trust that you're going to come through for me. I don't trust that, you, you know, whatever it is. I don't trust you. So obviously fear then grips us and gets a foothold. And that fear turns it into anxiety. It turns into, you know, all of these exterior emotions. And, it, and, and that, that's where, the, you know, all of this stems. Ask yourself, what is it that you're afraid of? What is at the core of your anxiety? What is at the core of your stress? What is at the core of your fear? Because you know what you need to do? You need to get in front of the Lord and you need to have a serious conversation with him. And you need to ask yourself, do I trust you? Even if I think or believe you're going to let me down, am I still going to trust you, God? Because that's what he's asking us to do. So Paul says, don't be anxious, but he says to do this, pray. So there is action you can take. There is something for you doers, for you people that I just like to do. Well, let me tell you, number one on your to-do list every single morning, pray. Pray. If you're a doer, if you're like, I'm a get it done kind of guy, I like to address my issues, I like to, you know, get ahead of the, you know, of it all, well, then pray. Paul says pray. There's action you can take. The second one is be thankful. Be thankful with thanksgiving. It's more action that you can take. By, by listing the things that you are thankful for, it takes your mind off all of the bad things. If you, if you start your morning with prayer and start your morning by, you know what, God, I am thankful for, you know, A, B, C, D, E, you know, and go down the list, guess what? You'll start to forget about all the negative things that are going on. And they'll almost kind of just start to fade away. With prayer and thanksgiving. And then he says, let your requests be made known. This is similar to prayer, but he's saying be specific. 
Be specific. If there's something going on in your life, if you're ticked off at God right now, then make your request known. God's saying, come, come to me. Talk to me. Make your request known to me. Because listen, if you put it at my feet, there is something that I can do about that. But if you continue to hold it to yourself, then all it's going to do is just corrode and just become like a cancer inside of you. He says, bring it to me. And this is what happens. Then God's peace that surpasses all understanding. That means there's, there's no, you know, formula. There's no, you know, thinking of your own of how could I get, you know, how could this be? You know, God is going to surpass any of your understanding. And by doing that, he will guard your heart and your mind. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people. I can think way too much. I, can t- I could let, if I, if I let my thoughts I could let them go down, uh, you know, rabbit trails, as they say, and get way lost. And let me explain. When, when I was first married, um, I had this fear, and I didn't even, at, at first, I know where it comes from now, but I didn't know where it came from in the beginning. But when Sheila would leave the house, I would become very fearful, and all of a sudden I would have these pictures that she was broken down on the side of the road, and she couldn't get, a, you know, near a phone to get a home. Oh my gosh, you know, maybe I should go out and drive around and see if she's okay, you know what I mean? And then sure enough, an hour later, she'd come home, and she'd have this big smile on her face, and then I'd be ticked off. Do you not know what I just went through? You were on the side of the road. You were, you were, you know, bleeding and you couldn't get a hold of me. Why are you so happy? And she was looking at me. Are you crazy? I'm fine. And obviously later I figured out, you know, this all came from my own, you know, childhood issues of feeling abandoned and, and always feeling like, you know, uh, that you know, God had it out for me and that nothing ever good came out of my life and things like that. And so sure enough, Sheila would just simply leave the house. She would tell me even where she was going. It wasn't like I didn't know where she was or anything like that. But my mind would go to crazy places. And literally anxiety would come over and I would pace and I would, oh my gosh. It's silly. It's silly. You know what I do now? You know what I've learned to do now? Lord, I pray protection over my wife as she's out. Because there's nothing I can do. There's really nothing I can do. But God, you are, you're with her. Your guardian angels are surrounding her right now. So be with her. And I'm just going to trust that she'll you know, come back home. But Lord, I'm also going to trust that no matter what, you're in control. And I'm not. That's truly what it is. God, I trust that you're in control and I'm not. 